When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Australian survivor. One million pounds. Million euros. Hello everyone and welcome to RHAP's coverage of Survivor 42 for Survivor Global. I'm your host Shannon Gus here to talk about episode 10. And I really enjoyed this episode because I saw a lot of great gameplay and also some not so great gameplay, but I do love to analyze when people are just implementing amazing strategy and, you know, putting some really cool strategic practices to use. And yes, unfortunately, some people have to be the victim to that. Um, but today I will be talking with someone who has definitely put a lot of that incredible strategy to use. We're going to be talking about that great gameplay. So why not welcome superstar player, super fan in his own right, fan favorite, a chizzy winner in my mind, because we actually didn't do the chizzy that season, but I've always just thought he was the chizzy winner. It is the great Werner Schaubert. Werner, thank you for being here. Hey, Shannon. Thanks for having me back. Um, yeah, Hello to you and everyone out there. What a privilege to be back, and I'm enjoying the season, so I'm looking forward to the chat. Yes, I can't wait to chat about it. But more importantly, tell the listeners what you've been up to because there's been a lot going on. You'd have every reason to fall off Survivor a little bit, but you're still here keeping up with the season here on the podcast. We very much appreciate it, but you've had a lot going on. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, yeah, we, we moved about a year and a half ago. Our family moved across the country um, and we just decided we're going to take a little bit of a break from uh, social media or just my wife actually changed um, her business as well. She had to be quite present on, on Instagram as a photographer and, and she just uh, took a little bit of a break. And so both of us could afford to uh, just exit a little bit, but then some life happened as well. We fell pregnant again after eight years of trying. So that was actually awesome. And mm-hmm. then we uh, got a little baby daughter and all this happened in this time of being off the grid a little bit. But I, I haven't missed Survivor. My wife and I both, we've been watching, chatting about it, enjoying it. So um, I'm coming from off the grid to on, on the grid for this, and then I'll be off the grid a little bit again. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Well, we're very, very privileged. Huge congratulations from obviously all the listeners. I'll say it on their behalf from me, from the whole podcast family that you have another little baby girl. The family is growing. Like, that's so exciting. And, you know, just huge, I guess, respect that you haven't missed a beat with Survivor in that as well. But yeah, just like a huge few months for you. It's amazing. No, we missed, we, we, we maybe, we fell behind, let's say, for 10 days or so. But then we could <laughs> well, quickly catch up again. And, yeah. Yeah. If I had to do <laughs> what you are doing, I would have uh, been in trouble because uh, catching up <laughs> week by week would not have been possible and pushing out content. But coming in like yeah. this, what a privilege to be on the podcast again. I uh, really enjoyed chatting to you, Shannon. So, yeah, oh, we can hit it. No, it's only my privilege. I'm so excited to talk to you about it. I mean, we didn't, again, you've been off the group. We didn't get to talk to you about the last season. I wanted to ask, just generally before we even talk about this season, what are your thoughts on the modern mm. era? Because you're like a, an old school, huge super fan from like, you know early, early days. And the, the new school era is different. It's a lot, um, 26 days, a lot of like gimmicks that we're used to at this point, I think, you know, more, almost two seasons in. But what is your thoughts on kind of the new direction that the show is going in for the US? Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's hard for me because I know sometimes you don't know what you need until you have it a little bit and then you know this is better or this is worse. So it is still early days, but generally for me, I, I am, I'm, I miss the old days now for now still. <laughs> okay. Um, and I'm all right with, the old school becoming the new school, you know, like the the early 30s picking up, the Millennium versus Gen X, David versus Goliath, that's that's fine. It I must say I was quite a bit surprised when when Survivor took off so many days. Um mm. because for interesting sake, that's where some the Survivor South Africa started, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We started with I think 27 days. Mm-hmm. And for me, I always felt that South Africans, our version, is a little bit of a, a sub-version, a substandard version, only because it's not, you know, 39 days, one survivor. Then came Australia, and they pushed out 55 days, and then <laughs> yeah. came SA with the reboot, where I was supposed to be a part of bringing us up to 39, and I almost felt like, felt like all the cylinders were now firing and then goes America back to 27. So first reaction, Shannon, is I don't like that. But mm-hmm. maybe you should ask me in a year or two again. Yeah. Like, I know that I've always said I'm impressed with anyone who goes out there. It looks really hard. It's harder than anything I've ever done. No judgment from me. But the day thing is, like, one of the most sacred things to me. And it does sound a little comical when they're like, oh my God, 18 days in and we're almost in the end game. Like, it just sounds a little ridiculous, especially coming from Australian Survivor. But, like, I know one of the reasons I was hesitant to watch Survivor South Africa Season 5 was two reasons. One, hearing about these, like, sports captains who weren't players. And two, yeah. that it was 27 days. And obviously we covered it, but, like, once they'd already brought in Rob and Sandra to be captains or, you know, mentors or whatever, and they yeah. they were taking back to 26 days, I'm like, well, I really don't have an excuse now. And I do love that season. I'm so glad we covered it. I'm currently watching Survivor South Africa Season 4, which is, like, in the 20s of days as well. So we get used to it being a malleable thing. But definitely, like, especially before International kind of became commonplace for us and it was all U.S., like, 39 days was the thing. Um, and I do think, for me, that is a little bit sacred. 39 days, however many people, one survivor. Um, so I really do hope yeah. 
that they take it back up to 39. I also think it'll just take the stress off the gimmicks because we don't have to rely on it as much because they feel co- they feel comfortable about the days. Like you can tell they're not comfortable with it because of how much they shove in to try and make up for the fact that they feel bad. Oh, yeah. Fewer days. That's an issue for me. I've, I've caught up with some podcasting, but not a lot. I missed a, definitely a podcast season, Shannon, uh, during the time when Survivor 41 um, came out and, and it was okay. revealed, uh, the amount of days. Yeah. What was the community's response? I mean, if you can tell me and the rest of the guys that did not catch that, uh, was it palatable to the Survivor community? Was the hard to receive uh, the re- reduction in days? I feel like people were okay with it. And I definitely came to it wanting to give that that perspective because I just covered SA5, which was 27 days, because I've done the longer seasons for Australia. So like the malleable days thing for me, it's I, like I, I already you know knew that and was familiar with that before the US introduced it. And I thought that 26 days does affect things. Um, for SA5, it was in that they, well, they merged at like day 19. So they had like a normal pre-merge and then they just like went to tribal like every day of the merge. And it felt like if you couldn't yeah. keep up, you would get caught. Like it, it behooved the better players because they could like keep running on the hamster wheel. So I thought that that might affect it. Now yeah. that I've seen like three and getting into SA4, but like three seasons basically of 26 days, I think the mentality and how it affects you psychologically is different based on cast. I think that that was very much an SA5 thing, the hamster wheel of it all. Um, but for me as a viewer, I think that's the consistent thing that it impacts. And you do kind of forget about it, but it's mainly that they shove in the gimmicks. And then Jeff should just never mention the days. Because I do think whenever he's like, 18 days, you're like, you just don't even talk about it, Jeff. Let's just like live in the world where that doesn't happen because it's still hard. It's still a struggle. Still give them their props. But it just sounds a little funny. So just don't mention the days. And I feel like I as a viewer would do better if he was like, getting to the end game. Just say that instead of saying like, Day 18 and you have four votes left. Like it, it kind of just boggles my mind and I can't wrap my head around it still somehow. Is it, do we have reasons for that? Is that, does that maybe um, help, help the balance sheet? Less, less days um, keeping, especially crew members out there from leaving America to coming back with, they've shaved off quite a lot of, a number of days, feeding people, putting them up in houses. Uh, is that our reason? I think it was a COVID thing. And now that they know they can do it and they try and find other things that, again, like, you know, make up for it in, in their minds, um, they'll just keep doing it because it definitely is cheaper and it does save time and money. And you don't give up that much and the cast will all manage it in their own way. So I don't know that we're ever going to go back to 39 days. And Survivor South Africa now is the only franchise doing the iconic 39 days. But I've long said Survivor South Africa is the franchise that is the most true to what Survivor has been. And like Survivor in the glory days of what I enjoy, which is like still twist, probably like that late 20s, even like 30s era. Like, yes, twists and idols, like 39 days, sometimes going back to like a final two. Um, just like a lot of those core facets of the game. So yeah, Survivor South Africa is like carrying the torch of that in a way that actually the U.S. isn't anymore, which is just a crazy thing. Yeah, that is crazy to think. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? 
a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay. Well, this season itself, 26 days aside, how have you been enjoying season 42? So, firstly, off the bat, um, I find this cast a little bit more intriguing and interesting then Survivor 41. And before I go on, is that only me? Or it felt to me as uh, as soon as, epi- um, as early as episode one, two, three, I'm like, wow, okay, there's, there's something about this cast that I actually like and I'm drawn to. Whereas with 41, it was a little bit laborious for me almost to get through that season. Is that only me? I think people did quite like 41, but I, th- I think that there's been a better response, especially to the cast of 42. That's definitely how I feel. And there's been conversations around the fact that they've reused the gimmicks. So we've had, you know, to spend less time talking about that, which is unfair kind of to 41, but we've been able to spend more time with the cast and talking about their gameplay. So it's given that space, but I do think the cast for me has hit a little harder. I mean, if you look at the characters left, I feel like every character left, other than probably Romeo and now maybe getting to Jonathan, but like still for a final seven, like they pr- pretty much all have winning potential. I'm invested in every character in some way and have been for a while. I was with like high as well through the merge and even even before that. So the, the even editing, I think, has really done justice to the cast. And that's a big thing as well, where some people in 41 were hidden. So, yeah, I think it's a better cast. But I think that they've been given they've been honored basically by being able to step away from the gimmicks, not not because of production, but just because we know about them, by a great edit and by, yeah, that story really being told. So I do think that that has really jumped out as well. Yeah, and so, I mean, just to answer your question, I am enjoying the season. I am also enjoying the cast. I think if I remember last week, George said he didn't um, hit it off with the cast so well this season. I, I differ with him there. For me... I feel the cost quite rich in in their diversity and the way the players are different and all the way from a Daniel and Mike and Omar, Romeo, Jonathan, just looking over the men, Rocks Roy, Zach, if we think back, it's like each one pops in a different way. I actually enjoyed that. And I feel that these players, 
they've got that kind of mix that if you give them a chance to play, they will produce content for you. I mean, not even mentioning the ladies. If you think about a Marianne, for example, uh, Drea, these are good players. Tory Gold, by the way, Katinka, the American Katinka right there. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a good, it's a good cast. And that's why I think I'm enjoying this season and prefer it over 41. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. And I really enjoyed this episode. I know that, you know, the vote was maybe a little clear. Everyone seemed to want to come for high. But so much great gameplay I want to talk to you about because you played such a dominant game. And I think we're seeing some kind of legendary performance happening here from Omar. Lindsay was great as well. Um, yeah. So much to talk about in the details of, like, their language, their approach, their decisions in this episode. I mean, really, they're choosing between two people who desperately want to work with them in Jonathan and High, two allies who are threatening or difficult in their own way who they don't want to work with. They can kind of, like, bring in Mike have that like replacement ally there because everyone wants to work with them um, and then still be in a great spot, make great decisions. And there's like very, very good context that they've set up for themselves. So so impressed with both of them. And I think what's really interesting, we, we actually got a comment from Josh Kettles on Twitter saying there have been no opposing alliances through the merge. And really, if you think about it, pre-merge, other than early Vati, we've not had like alliance v. alliance, which was obviously, you know, a big part of your game as well. That, that alliance structure, we're a group yeah. against this like other minority group. That's not the structure definitely of this merge and even beyond that for the season. It is these like monolith central majorities that are taking out threatening people or outsiders in some way. And it's not this war. It is this, this big group and it continues to be. It's a very, very fluid game that necessitates the social connections that Omar and Lindsay have, that, that positioning where it behooves you to have relationships with everyone because you don't need to cut yourself off and like, you know, really demonize a group. You might demonize people on the outside as your group, but it's not that like yeah. really versus mentality. So I think that that really shows that. But what have you felt about that dynamic, that very fluid central dynamic and the fact that we're now at a final seven, there's do or die, there's not that many votes left and we have actually not seen two groups take on each other in a war other than in the first and only early Vadi vote that they almost went to rocks and then after that, they were back to the same kind of central structure. Yeah, so that it actually makes it hard to podcast on for me coming onto the show. I mean, for you having your your head in your hands almost like on on this development episode by episode by podcasting through it, at a, being at home, let's say the casual fan, it, it's hard when you don't have almost like a locked three, four, five people like really playing hard together that you come back to root for next week again. Here, you really need to to notice nuances. Notice you, mm-hmm. you if you if you blink, you'll miss. You know, because um, it is a lot more fluid. What I pick up with that, and I don't know if that is connected, but I think it is. Remember, well, you do a lot of podcasts, but I I always have a lot of respect and joy for. Um, I think you used the word in Australian Survivor. I like mateship, you know, how hard these guys play. And then there's a little bit of a celebration or good on you when someone gets voted off, right? You, you almost like see the sportsmanship. Mm, and yeah. after this episode, Hyde gets up and he says, if I'm correct, I think he said, that was amazing. Yeah. After being voted off. And I'm like, and then there was everyone for a moment, there was just a laugh of relief. Okay. So he did not stood up and, uh, insulted everyone and said, you know, you've got an idol, you've got an idol, I hate you. He got up and he said, that was amazing. I was just a part of this. And I must say, I like that. But it's a testament of the game moving in quite a free way. 
for a player and players to experience that. Th- that's what I guess. That's what I think. Yeah, I mean, that's really interesting because so much of what we're going to talk about is about Omar. And a lot of the conversation has been around like, okay, well, he's playing phenomenally, let's be honest. But like, will a jury respect it? And last week, a lot of that conversation was, will a jury even know what he's doing because he's so under the radar? And I feel like this week it became, because it was so lethal with the lie, it became, will a jury be really burned and mad because he's had those social connections? So, I mean, firstly, it's not going to be both, okay? So if they don't know that he's done it, that's one issue. If they know that he's done it so much that they're mad, that's another issue. The fact that we're talking about both of them might mean that there's no issue here at all. But I think, you know, I lean much more to the second one being a problem because I think we'll definitely be able to talk about his moves at a final tribal council. They're super specific now with the lie and stuff. Like, he can talk to it and people will check their notes at Ponderosa and this conversation is going to be happening. So I think people will know, but will they be mad? But then look at the reaction from High. I think he will respect it. I think this is a gamey cast, Chanel, Tory. Look at the jurors already. Maybe not Roxroy. But I think that this is a cast that will respect big moves. I think modern casts are mostly poised to respect big games, not all the time. And it definitely depends on the group of people. But I think we are in big move-itis of of US Survivor of the modern game to respect big gameplay, even when it's a little lethal and villainous. Um, and I think definitely that they'll know about it. And I think that there will be enough votes there to respect it for him. And maybe that's a hopeful person in me. We don't know. Obviously, it's always the fear. Like, would Roxasin, you know, a great comparison for Omar, would he have won? Like, we hope so. We don't know. Like, that's always the risk when you play this very cutthroat game. But I think for Omar, it'll be okay. And considering last week, we were saying, will they even know? And now we're like, will they be mad? Like, maybe people are trying to poke too many holes in, like, someone playing hard. And that being what modern survivor usually necessitates, not doing it in a cruel or mean way, like a personal way, but doing it in like an amazing strategic way. I think people on a jury will usually, you know, commend that, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just hold me back if, if, if I'm moving too fast here, but I think what Omar needs to watch out for from here on up to now is okay is to know when to put the foot on the pedal and when to let the car just free (laughs) okay when to really put your hand or your influence into a situation and when it's not necessary and it's kind of going your way to step back into the bushes and be invisible um you know i think it was last week yeah it was last week or was it where, oh, no, it was this week. So when the vote were moving towards high, then Omar's like, this is almost too easy. Mm-hmm. Maybe you should change it. What I sense there is something I also felt on the island is sometimes, you know, when you can do something, even though you can do it, you should not do it. Um, because just you, just because you can influence and just because you can, can change something up. Doing it is maybe not the best thing. And so what I'll be doing is, is watching the next episode to see whether he knows when to put his foot on the gas and when to keep it off. It's mm-hmm. going to be important for him for the next few days. Mm. That's something I wanted to talk to you about because you, you know, played such a phenomenal game through your season. And I think it's pretty much agreed upon like the best game of your season. And I think Omer's pretty much at this point doing doing the same thing and it's incredible to watch but the difference between you as characters and like demographics and archetypes is like you look like a clear leader you come in there and people are drawn to you in that way you're a pastor like it's how people look at you anyway it's a physicality thing like people look up to you and you always have to manage that threat level because it's 
it's instinctive. Yeah. Like it's 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 apparent. Um, Omer does not have this. Like people are not looking at Omer in that way. Like that's why he yeah. can stay so hidden. And that is a good position to come in for him. It can be harder if people don't give you credit. Yeah. So that's the other side of that coin. You were always going to get that credit. People always knew what you were doing because again, it's just so apparent in just who you are. So he has that other side of like maybe people don't see him as much, and maybe he needs to like really work for that credit. But he has the space to not have to manage the threat level as much as you were because he just has more innate room to move. But I think he's like intentionally yeah. leaning in. And that's why I want to talk about some of the language, like some incredible stuff here, intentionally leaning in to not being seen as a threat. One of my favorite things he did in this whole episode, so subtle, so subtle, but I loved it. When Romeo comes to him at the end of the episode and is like, Jonathan or, or hi, these are the names uh, and talks to him about it. He says, you're the only one I trust, which is phenomenal for Omar. But Omar says this, that's what I'm hearing. That's what I'm hearing. Like, no, you're telling everyone, like you're the one planting the seeds, but everyone's going around. Like he can plant that seed for, <laughs> you know, for yes. Mike, for hi. And then Mike's going around doing the dirty work, telling Jonathan he doesn't even need to do anything. So he's pulling back on his action by planting the seeds. And in his use of language is really shielding himself as the mastermind, as the puppet master, as all of these master things. And I just think while he had that space that you didn't have, the intentionality to lean into that and the way I watch him do it subtly all the time, it honestly just blows my mind. Yeah, I 100%. He's very good. I mean, even when they were on that, that reward where the, um, the families, family came mm-hmm. up, uh, the videos, and he played that moment so well. So <laughs> it was him, Mike, and Lindsay, right? Mm-hmm. And they're all seeing their families. They touch. They're a little bit raw. And you become emotionally open in moments like that on the island. I mean, you're stripped of everything you know of life. In that moment, seeing your family and knowing these other two people as well, putting your hands around them, hugging, you become open. And Omar, he, he just used that situation. He says, Mike, can I, can I tell you and, and just quickly mm-hmm. reflect can I about share with you? Yeah. how I saw Brilliant. our relationship yeah. earlier mm-hmm. in the yeah. game? And he's like, he's we just saw our families. Now, let me tell you a story mm-hmm. of the two of us um, and his language. Um, we were friends, but we didn't get to work together. And, and oh, you could just see Mike leaning in. Uh, Omar is very good in that way. And I can see, I can feel him a lot. I can relate with him. I can feel like I'm sitting in his chair. Mm-hmm. Um, no, he's, he's an amazing player. But here is, if I could be in his ear right now, Shannon. And if I, if it was my job to coach him as someone that, that went to that pointy end, you know, that day when, um, when, when I played the idol for Jean. Mm-hmm. Incredible move. And I was here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Now it was actually Tom that brought the information to me that uh, Katinka has turned against me. Okay. But I had the idol and Tom felt a little bit, yeah, but he's setting me up to do this move. And I should have given him more. I, I should have given him more, um, more of a spotlight and said, it was Tom. This is not my move. It's Tom. But because we got to the pointy end, I also felt like I, I need to take this move for me and just put it on my shelf as a trophy, you know? Um mm. What I would tell Omar right now is the way you've been playing, continue. Don't, don't get um, 
don't get greedy uh, in, in wanting to be uh, seen. They know, the jury they know. Um, stay steady. Keep your rhythm. Breathe. Just get to the end and make sure that you don't get, um, you know, you know what big match temperament is, right? It's finish the job, which I was unable to finish. Watch out that you feel close to the pointy end that you need to do something so shiny because you don't necessarily have to. Mm-hmm. But your game had more of parts of that like alpha game style that you did have idols, you had trinkets, um, and you were fighting against, you know, a final two, uh, pure rounds, no fire. Like if you were in the modern US game, like I hate to say it because it might be painful, but like you win, right? Like you go to fire. Hopefully win that. Go to a final three. Yeah. Jury give you the win. Omar is playing that game, but with, with, with the different game style to you in that he has no trinkets. But the amazing thing is like, even here he gets the amulet info, like he knows about them because he has the relationships. Like he doesn't win the challenge like Lindsay does. She gets that tick, but he's immediately taken. Like I think that speaks to his game and his approach in a way that's quite different to yours. But then I worry, does he get boxed out of some of those like alpha game styles where is there going to be an advantage game yeah. where there'll be a bunch of trinkets he doesn't have? Will he lose at fire? Like here are other parts of the game where you like need to win challenges more, where you need to have the, the tricks in the bag that he doesn't have, even though he has all the strategy and all of the, yeah. you know, the, the, the strategic acumen and all the relationships. Sometimes in US Modern Survivor at the end, that's not enough. Um, in a way that you were, you were protected in that way. You had that part of your game and he hasn't, which has also spoken to him hiding that threat level because he hasn't had those parts, but then, like, will that come for him at a point? That that concerns me most for his game, because I think strategically he's got it on lock. Um, I hear you. At a point they might realize that, that would be bad. But, yeah, it's, it's troublesome in that way. No, I hear you, because maybe if he feels that pressure to shine a little bit, maybe it's not a false sense a false impulse, maybe it is what he need, what he needs, especially if in some other way he ends up next to Lindsay, which which tends to shine. I mean, especially this last episode. Uh, for me, she's a she's a she's a Winnipeg. In my mind, I think they're gonna. They, Omar has got his hands in a lot of cookie jars, and especially saying, I think he told Mike, did he say hi? Um, told me that uh, mm-hmm. Mike is his puppet. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so highest out is lucky. Was watch out with those uh, those those deceiving stories because if you do too much of those, they're going to catch you. And if he if they catch him, then either he, he's disarming himself on the jury, or they just kick him off. So he he must watch out. But then he also needs to play because you've got Lindsay mm. pushing up behind him wanting yeah. to be a player she's playing well socially she's not bad so yeah two good players yeah yeah i mean this was a coming out party for Lindsay, and we'll definitely talk about it i feel with omer as well like it's again like he'll be sitting in a final three with two people like he needs the big game because other people next to him might say i had this you know special power that he didn't have so he's trying to like really drive home the strategy as well yeah. to talk about that. But even if they catch on to him, like they don't have a lot of vote opportunities to make things happen with it. I do think it will be mostly in the mechanisms of the game, how blocked up this end game might be like, do or die again next week, which everyone wanted is so excited about it. Um, but like fire, like so many of these things that lock up the U S survivor end game that I think could be troublesome for him. So for me, 
him kind of putting his foot on the gas and getting that attention out there, it's not as worrisome for me because they don't have as much time if they eventually realize and they aren't yet. And like, just to talk about like some of the other subtleties from the season, like right from the beginning when he's bonding with Mike over Mike, not liking the rocks row plan. Like, did you, did you like that? And he's not, he's not saying he didn't, but he's like, Oh, I really don't like that. You didn't like that. Puts it all on high kind of drives this wedge more between Mike and high before even the lie. Um, and he had created the plan against rocks, right? Like he's, you know, Mike is just yeah. speaking about Oma's plan to Oman. It's his plan which is incredible. At the beginning of the episode, he gives himself a goal. He's like, what am my plan right now is I'm going to spend like the next couple of days, you know, separating Mike and High and bringing Mike closer to me. By the end of the episode, Mike is voting for High. So like tick that off the list in the space of 40 minutes for us. Um, just so many incredible things. And you mentioned the lie itself, building on that emotionality of the episode, that real vulnerability. And yeah, can I share something with you? Can we talk about our relationships? Like he's confiding. This is an emotional thing. Like, of course, Mike buys it. We'll talk about whether he, he should have and whether there was merit to that. But like the way to build from this emotional thing to the lie. And as Mike is complaining that High thinks that he's stupid, he's laughing about Mike in confessional. Like I think it, it, it looks fun and easy to be able to give a really snippy confessional, you know, evil laughing to the camera and then be a totally different way with someone moment to moment in person yeah. um, with that like real empathy. It, it might look easy. But I bet it's really, really hard. So just like that approach is just incredible to me. And there were so many things about what he was doing just subtly that in approach and language just incredible to me. I want to ask you on the decision, because he, again, he and Lindsay are making a decision between, again, two allies who want to work with them, but have their own issues in High and Jonathan. Yeah. Do you think that High was the right choice to go for? Or would you have gone and taken out Jonathan? From Omar... From Omar's perspective. And yeah, from Omar. We'll talk about it for Lindsay because oh, oh. Lindsay is, yeah, we'll talk about yeah. Lindsay herself because, yeah, but for, for Omar, what would you have gone with? Uh, uh, Omar did the, uh, the right thing. I would have done the same. Definitely. <laughs> you get the better player person out first and don't worry about the threat, the physical threat too much. You know, um, I think the words are like high. You never know what it's up to. With Jonathan, you always know what is up to. I think, I think, uh, one could say, uh, high is covert and Jonathan is overt. You know mm-hmm. what Jonathan is thinking, mm-hmm. especially in his relationship with Omar, because he's going to tell you. He's open about it. He's even going to tell it in a way that's not uh, ideally the language you should be using on Survivor, but he's going to tell you with high, man, what is he up to? Does he really mean what he's saying? So get high out of the way and keep the player near to you. You always know what he's thinking and what his next plan will be. Simple as that. Yeah, I mean, I agree for a couple of reasons. I do think that high is more of a threat. He's a jury threat. He's a strategic threat. And he's also a physical threat. Like he and Jonathan have won the same amount of individual competitions. Like I know that it's not the same, but because no one's the same as Jonathan, but like high also seems to be good at these challenges. So he's a threat in his own right. I do think Jonathan is still threatening. I don't know that he could win at the end, but for the same reason that I was saying about Xander last season, I don't know if he can win at the end, but you still don't want someone who's blocking up those crucial immunities again in this blocked up US endgame. Jonathan could win at the final four of the challenge. He could beat you in fire. I think that's concerning for everyone who might want to win those things. Oma's not relying on those things. As we said, it's a different type of game and maybe having an ally blocking it from other threats could be a good thing, but I'm kind of concerned about how he might be one of the things contributing to a blocked up endgame for anyone, including Oma. But I do think high, much bigger threat. 
I also think it's been said, but like the fact that he can now bury the lie for me really pulls it over the line. Like if he doesn't take out high now, what if Mike and high start comparing stories? Like what if they don't even uncover the lie, but they reconcile, like he's put in a lot of work to divide them. He has, you know, told Mike, Oh, he says you're his puppet. That's clearly got to Mike. Mike has read it thousands of times. Ironically, then goes in and he is Oma's puppet for his plan. Super ironic. But like you put in the work to separate them, like just cut the cord, bury the body. High is gone and the lie is done until the jury, but like yeah. it's not going to affect you in the game. That's a big thing for me. And I also think like everyone wanted high. It's super comfortable. It's unanimous. If you're going to try change it to Jonathan and you've put Mike on this emotional path that he's against high. Are you either not telling Mike and putting him off when you go for Jonathan? Are you trying to switch him back to Jonathan where he'd probably be upset because he's really set on high because of the, you know, the seed that you've planted? I think once Mike is on that path and you've done that, you do have to go with taking out high and it just strengthens your bond with Mike in a way that he might be put off yeah. and then like reverse and go to Jonathan. So I think there was just so many parts of this that made sense to go for high. That's a big thing that you just mentioned. It was also part of my game plan, and I still think I did the right thing, even though it did not work out. When you have someone like Jonathan that can take immunity away from the rest of the tribe, that gives you control if he's in your alliance. That means between Mm -hmm. Omar and Jonathan, the chance is very good Mm -hmm. that one of them will have the immunity, and it's probably going to be Jonathan, but it takes it away because we know how dangerous dangerous, immunity is towards the final two tribal councils. And so with, with us, I I thought between myself and Tom, uh, if if there's 20 challenges, we'll take 16 of them away from Annalise and John. But mm-hmm. we did not, we were not able to take that one away, which really mattered. So, but if I'm again in that position, I'll do the same thing. Align with the other person who can who can win the immunity, Omar. That's Jonathan, and you can beat him. You can always mm-hmm. the problem if that person is someone that will beat you in the final. I get what you're saying. Then you you need to get them. You need to, as soon as they lose, you need to vote them off. But if the challenge Fred can deal with the immunity necklace. Take it to himself, and you can beat him. You have to take him. He's your best bet. Yeah. I just hope that it doesn't come to a point where, like, Omer's forced into fire-making with Jonathan and loses to Jonathan in fire, but I do think there's a good good chance that they've been aligned the whole time. Like, if Jonathan wins that crucial Final Four immunity, he takes Omer through with him. Like, that could be his ride through the game as someone who's not relying on all the things that carry you through the end game of US Survivor, like fire, like these challenges, like these trinkets. He needs allies who have them and he needs the information. He needs to be able to use them himself. So like, you know, if he's trying to use Marianne's idol before, you know, she played it last week or like he can try to use the amulet, which we'll talk about with Lindsay or use Jonathan's challenge prowess, use them in fire to beat someone else that you want to take out. You know, maybe if if there's some control there, I think that it, it becomes tricky. It becomes hard because obviously you're not the one winning it. But if you can maneuver it in that way, I think that's the best thing for him. Um, I want to talk about Lindsay, but before we do, uh, I want to talk about, like, just in terms of people have said, like, I think Omer's one of the best players I've seen in a while. One one of the things that Hai even mentioned, like, it even gets better in the exit. Like, Hai was talking about how Omer would really use that sense of timing, and that was a big part of the Lydia vote. He came to him 30 minutes before. Very, very Tony-esque. Um, that's a big part of Tony's game and, like, how he took out Sophie. He'd always be, like, right before sundown, given that, that 10 minutes. Um, and it's what we call, like, forcing commitment, which I talked about with Jacob Sager-Weinstein on the Game Theory Principles podcast, which was about, like, 
if you if you want your outcome, if you want to force someone into going with your plan, like that's the way that you can force them into it when they just simply don't have time to change from what you're getting them to do. There's so much yeah. good stuff there, so much good strategic stuff. I want to ask you because you played in 2018, which was a very big year for you know international survivor. And I remember coming onto that podcast with Mike and Liana where we talked about that whole year, and we had Dom and Wendell, you and Lisa from Survivor New Zealand, who I spoke to a couple of weeks ago. We were like, these were all such incredible players. Um, Australian Survivor didn't have a good representative really and then like David versus Goliath had some good people but like you four really stood apart uh, and I feel like we've had so many great newbie games from international players since like phenomenal games but I feel like the US Survivor I don't know if anyone's really stood up from a newbie perspective since then do you feel like Omer's the best US newbie player since Dom and Wendell like I mean I guess if he goes out next at like Final 7 probably not but I just can't envision that like I feel like he's got it so unlocked are we in the conversation where he's like really one of the better players or best players we've seen in the US in the last few years, other than Winners at War, which was its own thing, but like for the newbies. He must be up there, right? He must be up there with with the top the top newbies first timer since Domin Wendell. How high up that that's something that I, I think people will 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 debate. I mean where do you where do we rank someone like a Tommy? Who also had his mm-hmm. way with with a cast. Uh, it's kind of a forgotten, well, in my mind at least, a forgotten season. It shouldn't be. Um, well, maybe because Rob and Sandra were there, but he wasn't a bad player. Um, he was a good player. Anyone um, is Omar better than him? I guess. I guess it's, a, yeah. it's a, that's up for the score. What do you think? Would you put Omar above Tommy? I, I probably have to go and take a closer look at Tommy's game. But from what I remember, like Tommy was like a good. Like social player, he had it on lock, but like, and maybe we weren't shown as much of it, and maybe I wasn't watching as closely. But I feel like with Omer, he has these like strategic tools that he's using. The things like timing, language, the approach, the intentionality behind every single thing he's doing. I truly feel like in every relationship and in every conversation. Whereas I'd probably even put Lauren above Tommy, um, and Lauren would be in this conversation for me. Uh, you know, Victoria from from thirty eight, and then mostly, you know, like Christian yeah. had a great read on the game, but like I feel like I don't know if anyone was like a huge standout of David versus Goliath. And then like if Shan had continued the first half of her game in the second, she'd be the clear standout, but I don't feel it was consistent across. So maybe we have to see how Omer's game finishes up. And then I, I probably would have said till now Ricard. I still think Ricard's a phenomenal player. He won the Chile last season. But I feel like Omer for me, yeah. if he can finish it as strongly, um, and maybe not even with a win, but like, I mean, hopefully with a win, like if, if it's with a win, then actually there's no question probably. But even if he can like really have some like strong episodes and maybe he gets like painfully taken out in fire, I don't know why that's like in my head, but even if he just has some strong episodes, I feel like he probably comes over the top. Like I, I can't think of someone that I would necessarily put above him. Assuming the next couple of episodes go well, then yeah. Since Tom and Wendell no, for me I, in the US. I agree. I agree with you. Um, I was almost just in a way trying to look for that opposition for him. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, he's clearly the best in the season and he's right up there with the best since Domin Wendell. For me, there's no question about that. I'd actually like you guys at some stage, I don't know, do a poll and something like that. Put the best. People yeah. love the polls. Yeah, they're not contentious. Yeah. No, like, that's when you give, like, yeah. the, the opinions on, like, ranking people, like, ranking things is arbitrary and reductive. Like, people really come with their, you know, feelings about it. And maybe probably even on this, like, people say this was a better player of the last few seasons. It's possible that maybe I'm just, like, enthralled, which I am, like, with Omer's game in the last few episodes. I just see so much subtle detail in only 42 minutes where I'm like, 
wow, that is so considered. Like, honestly, the way it got me just to say to Omar, that's what I'm hearing. There's no way that that's not a considered statement because it's a lie. That's not what he's hearing. That's what he's saying. That's what he's deciding. But he's going out of his way to be like, Romeo, me and you, we're on the bottom kind of where we're just kind of like trying to get the information out of this. Like, what are we doing together on this? Like, he and Romeo are not even remotely in the same spot. They're on opposite ends of the structure. And to even say something like that, like, it's thought out. I just love that so much. Um, but I want to talk about Lindsay as well, because I thought that she was also yeah. really great in this episode. And I have to call out like myself and the whole analysis and the conversation, because I feel like Lindsay's game is so underrated. And I'm part of that. Like the cheesy charts do not reflect what a great game she's playing. You know, the cheesy charts for someone like Romeo, for example, who had a really strong pre-merge, but has floundered since. Like he has points because that's what the cheesy will, you know, it will kind of reflect more of those highs when you have highs and low. Um, Lindsay is just so consistent and consistently strong. I don't think she's put her foot wrong. I don't think she's done anything wrong. She's always in the numbers. She's always central. She's like really, really social, empathetic. Just the amount this woman apologizes. She apologized for winning the reward challenge. She apologized to Jonathan when he was talking down to her last week. I don't know that that's like necessarily a great thing of like always apologizing, but like she's very, very socially, it's like a soft approach, but it works and it's great. Uh, and I think it's really, really active. And I love all of her decisions in this episode. So I'm kind of upset with myself that it doesn't reflect in the Chizzy chart and she's like always in the honorable mentions when I think points should reflect what a great game that she's playing. So what do you think about what she did in this episode in her game so far? I think Lindsay is a very good player. And I think if she goes and wins and you watch again from the start, you'll see why. Mm-hmm. She she hasn't been needy. She hasn't been uh, uh you know, looking for attention. She hasn't been allowed. Lindsay has been playing a very, very good game. And I told you last season as well with Nicole, I said, watch out. You guys didn't want to believe me. <laughs> Do you remember? Yeah. I mean, you were, you were totally right on the Nicole thing. But like for social players like Lindsay and Nicole, I don't see them as the same. I, I think that Nicole is an innately likable person. I think that that translates to a social game. I don't feel that she had the read that Lindsay does. I think, I mean, I look, my thoughts no. on Nicole's read are clear. Like no. she wanted it to be a final three at the final four and she could only win in a final two and I'll never get past that. But Lindsay, I feel, has like a really no. clear read on the game. She's here making decisions. She's like completely in the know. She's always in the majority. Yeah. Nicole was often left out. It should, it should translate to a numbers game in a way that Nicole didn't always have. And like Lindsay has that. So yes, it's that socialness, but it's like for me, very intentional, very considered, very much in the reads and awareness. And I feel like Nicole had the socialness, but maybe not with like the awareness that I feel is kind of crucial to really playing an active game in that. No, Lindsay is a lot stronger and I agree with you. I just think there's, 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 a, there's something you build with fellow con- contestants that um, there's a part of a game. I don't know what the percentage is, 5 or 10%, oh, depending on how hard the player plays, but there's a certain amount of work you do that cannot be caught on camera. And it's not because the cameras are off. It's just because it is invisible in one sense, but it's felt by the players. It is about how you engage with them consistently over 15, 20 days. The way you relate and talk and engage and smile and make them a part of your conversation. Now, you can get that. Sometimes we see it, but all I'm saying is sometimes it's like a person is working a lot of that game uh, in the earlier stages of the game, and then suddenly towards the end, 
uh, it's like the seed starts to bear fruit very strongly and they win the game. And I mm-hmm. almost can see that arc with Lindsay. And I might be wrong, but I sense it. Mm-hmm. Mm. It's, it's an upwards trajectory. I think people saw her as a kind of invisible in the edit and she was edited the least, although I will never say she was purple, especially coming from Australian Survivor, which is the people who are, who are purple aren't even purple. It's like an indigo. It's like a different shade of purple where like they're like zero confessionals. It does, it's not the same purple as what we're talking about US. But I still don't th- think that that's what Lindsay's ever been. I feel like I've always known her as a character. Uh, it's been very clear to us. But yeah, she's emerging now. So I think that trajectory could mirror Nicole's in someone who, I mean, Nicole's was, was later. Like Nicole's was at like the final four, really, when she started like making moves and had that incredible finale. Lindsay's now at the final eight and this was a coming out party. And if she continues on that trajectory, um, it'll definitely be like that upward trajectory, but just starting a little bit earlier. But I think that she has been really solid the whole time. Um, and, you know, she has to make a lot of decisions in this episode. And I agreed with with all of them. I guess the first one would be, what did you think about her decision when she's won the reward challenge? She got to take two people. Ricard last season at the final eight got to take three for some reason. They changed that. She takes Omar immediately and then asks to take one more and takes Mike. What did you think of this decision? Yeah, you know, I, I knew you were gonna, we were going to have to discuss this. She worded it very well for a start. She said, I've been with Omar from the beginning and he's mm-hmm. never been on a reward. You see, now that, you see, she's telling the story and, and, and that is what was needed. It's the best you can do because you're hurting people when you don't take them. I like mm-hmm. that. Kudos on earth for that. But what I'm not sure about is whether taking Mike uh, was the best. I'm, not, I'm really just not sure. So Mike is the only one left from original green, right? Well, now. Now, I was yeah. still there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe it's a great move. Can you um, – I don't want to throw it back to you, but, I mean, what is Lindsay – and Mike's relationship. Is there anything there substantial in this fluid game? Is that why maybe she took him? Mm. I think she is trying to build on it. And I think they at that point. Yeah. Well, I think that she, I mean, Omer might be the more confusing pick because it feels like they're strongly aligned and you're kind of insulating yourselves in this minority of what will be three of eight. And it probably speaks to how well all three are connected that, they go away for a whole night, three of eight. There's no problems. We don't even see the conversations back at camp because there's no important conversations happening without them that are going to be pertinent to the game. So, like, that's how much they have it on lock. Um, but without that incredible social game that's led them to this point, you could be worried that taking Omar might be that issue because they're just, you know, to, to, to insulate yourselves when you've been, when you should be yeah. so threatening, um, should be, you know, difficult for anyone, should be maybe, maybe, a concern for anyone, but it's not for them. And that's a credit to the game that they've built up so far for both Lindsay and Omar and honestly Mike. Um, for Mike, I think that he's someone who's been maybe on the fringe of the alliance for her, that she's trying to build up that relationship and replace at that point Jonathan or what will end up be high, being high, who've been part of this majority and Mike's going to come in instead. So I think that that really worked. And the reason I think it works so well for Mike is because, you know, I'm sure you make everyone happy by taking them on reward, but look how much it means to Mike. Like he's a very emotional player. He says he's going to talk about this night until he dies. Like, it really means something to him. And he's the kind of player who will respond to that, like, emotional action of, let me take you on the reward. Yeah. So I think that that's a really yes. strong point to that. Um, yeah, so I, I like the decision in the end, but I, I think it also speaks more to usually people's position in the game, really strong players even, wouldn't want to go overnight in a minority. Like, that's been the end of it, the game for really strong players. Like, think about 
Australian Survivor 2019 when they went on the Spa Award. Like that's when Luke, Harry, Bader, and Abby made an alliance against, you know, Janine and Pia, and that brought down parts of their game because they just weren't there. So like it's not even just in the decision for me, it's more just in like the positioning until now that Lindsay can comfortably win, take away Oma, and he can also comfortably go, and so can Mike, all people who should be threatening in their own ways. And it's fine. Like they've got it on lock without even being there at camp. So that to me is like the most impressive part of all of it. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you. And just uh, Mike, you're right. Mike is the type of person when you take him there and he sees his family, he feels bonded to you. Mm. He feels connected. And, and well, that's the upside of having Omar there is they could work together with Mike and build trust with him. If Lindsay and Omar uh, stays together, um, then they've almost made Mike a part of both of them. Because sometimes, sometimes you, your challenge is uh, you've got a triangle in your relationships. Like I had to deal with that and struggled a little bit. At one stage, it was myself, Jean, and Tony together on a, a small island. And I worked well with both, but they didn't like one another. So it's sometimes hard to bring your alliance members to like one another and play and play nice so that we can just progress and win. And so in that sense, having Omar, Lindsay and Mike together, it's almost like building Mike gets mm. to connect with both of them at the same time. That does mean something. Lindsay must just watch out. You can see that she's slipping away from a relationship with Jonathan. She must just watch out that she doesn't burn a bridge too early. That's what I'm thinking at the moment when I think of Lindsay. Just watch out because you might need that bridge later on. Mm. I mean, in terms of the the decision as well, as you're talking about the relationships, like Omar at that point is very fixated, like his goal has been to get close to Mike. So Lindsay is now a part of that. Like it works very well in her relationship with Omar even to bring Mike. I don't know how much she knows he's doing that, but just in like kind of seeing the relationships and the bonding and the progression, she's like a a part of that then. Um, And yes, she can blame it on who hasn't had a reward, which is like the go-to line that no one should ever believe. Like it's, it's weird to me that we've had like, literally about 50 something international seasons and people will still give the line. Oh, like they just haven't eaten as much. And like, no one's going to believe that, but you kind of have to say it because at it last time as well. Yeah. Like that's not why people are taking people on rewards always for strategic reasons, but they have to say it. Poor Romeo has had no rewards and he got even less than like Omar because Omar had more Taku than he had at Ika. Mike said the PB and J, but like no one wants to take Romeo. So if it was about the rewards, like obviously, you know, but you're never taking Romeo. So everyone has to give the line and Mike kind of works, I guess, into that excuse. Um, but I think it's good for Mike because he is, a, he is someone who will respond to that. I think, you know, there's a lot of reason there to take him. Um, I wanted to ask because there's, there's another couple of like really key decisions from her. At the reward, she then gives the amulet information, which is the first of the three we've seen really give away that information and she gives it all in full um it's again that use of language she says i want to work with you so i want to tell you i thought that was really great um really great language across the board from Lindsay in this episode when she's talking to high about jonathan she says what are your thoughts on jonathan again we're open we're, we're discussing you tell me um love love the language there but what do you think about giving away this information because talking about what trinket you have is such a hot topic on modern survivor yeah um it, it, what it does is it gives you a, a little bit of a boost. Uh, let's call it an alliance boost, a moment to connect. 
You just need to feed that information at the right time. And unfortunately, you'll only know in hindsight whether you rather should have not shared it or shared it only two days later. Because the moment, it was actually Jeff Probst, he said it once um, in some other interview. He, he used this analogy. Well, it's not, uh, I guess it's an analogy. Like these kind of things you know, these knowledge, these secrets, they are power. And the moment you share them, you are powerful because you've got it. Let me tell you my secret. Let me tell you what I know. I, I trust you. I want to work with you. But let me quickly uh, be the powerful one here. As a, uh, just, I'm not saying she's trying to be full of herself or something, but you are bringing to the table what, what the other person does not have, right? And then mm-hmm. the moment you share it, you have handed it over to the other other person. Now, Now they also know. Now, that is powerful because you can bond yourself, but we've also seen the opposite. We've seen someone sharing their heart out. Um, I think we saw it on Survivor 40. We saw it on Survivor 40. Someone comes and says, listen, I just want to open my heart, be honest with you, and then the person goes to the camera. I can't believe they just told me that. So, Yeah, yeah. it was, um, I think, Kim and Sophie, yeah. I think that's, yeah, interaction. Yes, it was Kim, like, really leaning into Sophie. And I thought, yes, Sophie, he has someone wanting to work with you. And Sophie's like, no, I'm not. Like, oh, come on. You maybe, maybe she was a little bit too sketchy there, you know, worried about all the lies going on. All I'm saying is, if it works, it works very well. And it, mm-hmm. it felt right to me. It felt right to me. Let's hope it was not too early. Mm. I mean, I agree with you that it's situational. I've never agreed with like, you never tell anyone about your idol, which is definitely like the party line of 2022 Survivor. I think it's situational. I think that, you know, it depends on what you can gain from it. And I think relationships can be made. I think often you don't do it. Often it will come back to bite you, but there are times where you can use it. And I think that this isn't even part of that. I do believe that to be true when it's like a hidden idol, but like, hard with you know some of the idol ceiling mechanisms that are coming out so maybe that'll become less and less true what we've known of survivor i think that there should be like a hybrid response to it based on the situation but i don't even think that this is a part of this because this is shared information that she's giving so it's not even just hers and it comes right after they're throwing high under the bus now high is the other part of the ambulance the andrea so that's something that now high who was their enemy could use against her so I think giving up that information when other yeah. people have it, but getting to it first for me is it, really vital. And I really do like that part of it. But then I also think that the amulet works very much into her decision. So for Lindsay, from her perspective with Jonathan versus high, who do you think she should have taken out? I'd say again, high. I'd mm. say again, high, because even though um, once again, Jonathan might might have ruffled her feathers the wrong way, right? But he's still kind of in her hand in a way that she knows what he's up to. She knows what he wants to do. He's a physical player. He's going to try and win. Go with that player that's that's playing with you and you know what he's thinking because he tells it. <laughs> he says that he's, 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 he's overt with it. He's just going to tell you what he's thinking. He's going to be a little bit too forceful but at least you will know and you can play with it. So for both Omar and Lindsay, I believe they voted off their greatest threat between High and Jonathan. 
Mm. I mean, that's a conversation we've had before, even in this season. It was like Daniel versus Chanel. Daniel's going to be a little bit more transparent. Swathy versus Tori. I felt that Tori would be more transparent. And that's why I would take out Swathy. So I do agree when it's like the devil, you know, a little bit more and you can kind of track more in Jonathan. I think that's a really important part of it. Um, I, I, you know, a, a lot of the grievances with Jonathan are personal and that she doesn't like the way that, that he's speaking to her. And while this is like a, a personal, almost emotional thing, I think there's strategic merit to not wanting that. I think that the way you're perceived is vital by the other players, by the jury. Um, and again, she doesn't want to be part of what people think is his bad strategy. And even if she's not, there's a gender component too in these like male-female pairs where sometimes think like, you know, people think that the women's just going along with it. So she's trying to really mold her perception in a positive way away from that. And I totally see points of that. Um, but I do think high is a bigger threat in general. As we've talked about everyone wants high and she like smartly steps back again, like that intuition, that ability to know when to put the foot on the gas and when to like work really socially, which is absolutely Lindsay's MO and has been from the beginning to do like the social communal group thing in a really positive way. And I also think that the main thing here for me is that she triggers the amulet war. And we see Drea mention it and we see them really talking about the vote together. I like this move for Lindsay. I think that she could possibly win the amulet war. It's a tougher war than she knows because she thinks Drea's played an idol. She does know Drea also has knowledge of power and could take an idol. So Drea definitely could win from a tricky perspective, whereas Lindsay has the numbers. But I think it was, you know, it was good to, to get this done, to get this going with the amulet war. I think it's a really, really interesting war that we might see or not because we have do or die so this trinket versus number numbers amulet war in the last round before the amulet can be used you know for the final time at final six if they're going to do it they have to take each other out now and they might not even be a vote i'm really mad about that with do or die because i think this is like a fascinating duality that Lindsay will have to talk about you know decide between and so will drea with her trinkets in some way you know ally in each other or do we want to try get the idol so where do you think she should go with this? If she yeah. has the opportunity next week, Lindsay, do you think she should be taking out Dreyer and taking that item for herself? Or do you think they should try to work together to steal a vote? Like, where would you go with the amulet in this, like, now heated up amulet war? Look, the cast is fluid, like we said in the beginning, but I do see, uh, you know, we, we see Lindsay and Omar going together with Mike on a reward, which ties them together. And I still believe that Lindsay slash Omar can bring a Jonathan in with ease, which means Drea could naturally fall outside of their alliance. It's called an alliance, and we know it's quite fluid. So getting her mm-hmm. out is getting rid of a player and taking her advantage. Uh, the thing is just Drea doesn't carry another idol, right? She she has knowledge of power, so she could take Mike's idol or Marianne's, but she only knows that Mike has one. Yeah. The thing is, can you take her out? Is she? Is, is it is it possible to blindside her? That's mm. the question. Or will she bring her? No. But but if if it was a way of eliminating her, I would eliminate her because she's not in what seems to be Lindsay's closest group of trust. So get her out and take her advantage. You know, um, like we saw in Australian Survivor, do it. Mm-hmm. Um, what was interesting also for me, just mentioning Dreya's name, this was for me a little bit unlike US. We're getting used to um, seeing on Australian Survivor the producers giving themselves the, you know, giving themselves the right to show who they want to show as players. So we, in certain episodes, would see a lot of Dave and a lot of someone and not a lot of other players. Whereas mm-hmm. here, 
I saw that. We saw one sentence from Romeo, if I'm correct. Uh, and we didn't see a whole lot of Drea. I think in the beginning of the episode, she speaks a few words. And that's about it. You know, mm. Romeo and Drea was almost like left out of the edit. We saw Omar, Lindsay, Mike quite a lot. We did see some Jonathan and Marianne. Not a lot of Drea and Romeo. And Romeo was almost completely um, out of the episode, you know. But yeah, that's not what you asked. If I could get Drea, if, I, if it was possible to get her, then I would take her out. Mm-hmm. If I was Lindsay. Yeah, I mean, Drea did seem retreated a little bit in this episode because she's been playing so hard. And I would think, having played her idol last time, like she should maybe put her foot on the gas even more now, get into that end game. Maybe, you know, Mike wasn't in any trouble, but like, when is she going to steal his idol? Like, she, she needs his idol before he goes home or he plays it or she goes home. Um, I thought maybe we would be seeing kind of her ramp that up, but she retreated a little bit. We did see her talking about her kind of reasons for taking out high. And we saw her connecting with Lindsay over the vote, which I thought was interesting given that. Drea should know that Lindsay was one of the people trying to blindside her last week. So that that relationship is interesting to me. Um, they talk about the vote. They could steal a vote together. But, I, I, yeah, I agree that I would be finishing the Amulet War if you can, if, for, for either of them. I mean, you can talk about, like, idol versus ally. I usually go with ally. But I don't think that Drea should be playing the ally game. She's a trinket game. She should be going hard with her advantages and trying to get, basically, like, win out in her really strong alpha way. Versus Lindsay, who has so many allies, like she doesn't need Drea. Like Drea's not one of necessarily her closest yeah. relationships. And even if they are quite close, she has so many other bonds that she can rely on instead. So, like, take that idol. I also think winning the Amulet War is a really, really good point for the jury. It's like this cool new thing. It's verifiable. Yeah. You should have the other two people, and you use that idol in a cool way because you've got out two other people. Like that's a phenomenal point for your resume. I think that would be really, really cool. I also think. What are you using the sealer vote on? Like, there has not been one, as we're saying, there literally hasn't been a vote where, I mean, other than, again, early, early Vati, there are not groups that you need to steal votes from to have your group move forward. Like, it's this big, like, consensus group taking out yes. little numbers. So unless you're using it to split, like, it's really not, I, I think this is a situation where it'll be, like, least relevant to steal a vote because it's just not been that kind of group game. So I don't know how they'd steal a vote together. It's yeah. like two power players in their own way. I think you want the idol. I think if she can get Drea out and have that idol at final six and use the idol well at final six, that is like really, really good jury stuff with only one vote left to make it through. Cause at that point you're a huge threat. I think that would be a phenomenal story and she should go for it. Cause she, she has the numbers and if you can blindside Drea, yeah. like amazing. I think that would be amazing. The Steeler vote is not applicable to Lindsay at all. She's got, yeah. she, she flows with the majority. So mm-hmm. unless you want to use it as a, a moment to bond with Drea and say, hey, Drea, oh, we need to do this. Um, there's a problem here. Let's use our, steal a vote and almost bring Drea in to blindside her out or something like that. But, I mean, functionally, the steal a vote, on its own, it's not very helpful for Lindsay at this stage, I'd say. Yeah, and using it together, like, I think that would just be, like, another thing that Drea did more. Like, if any of you get credit for it, Drea had a stealer vote and an extra vote and an idol and a knowledge of power. Like, that's her game. I think Lindsay needs to win out. Like, if it's been a social game and a bit more of a quiet game while super, super solid, that is absolutely, like, the cherry on top of that to be like, and I was just, you know, dominating in this one storyline for this cool new amulet advantage. 
I think that would be awesome if she could get the idol and then use it really well at the final six. So yeah. I would go for that if I was her. I want to ask for Oma, though, because Oma's a part of that. He knows who has the amulets. He knows what you can see him, like, working it through in his mind with the machinations of the advantage. I think it's a really interesting spot for him because, like, does he want another yes. idol to be activated? Again, it's a blocked-up endgame. It would be an ally for him, hopefully, in Lindsay who gets it, but you are also giving Drea some opportunity to take out Lindsay if she has powers, which Drea always seems to. I don't think they know how much, but she she has so many superpowers. So you're giving Drea that platform to be like, will she take out Lindsay? Lindsay has the numbers, your number to take out Drea, and then you're going to activate another idol that's not currently in the game. Someone for Oma, who is not an idol kind of guy, who I don't think should want trinkets in the game, who's only going to be blocked up by these mechanisms, even if they're held by allies. He, he takes a step in this week to work towards possibly an idol getting activated. So what do you think about where he sits with that and in, in being part yeah. of triggering the amulet war and maybe mm. how we should how we should deal with it next week? Because I don't know if, he, if Dre is such a threat. It's hard for me. It's marginal for me. Like Dre is a huge threat. Next week, should he be going for Dre, who's such a huge threat, helping Lindsay on that? Or should he, you know, maybe take out someone like Jonathan or other threats? Again, he's aligned with everyone, but like other threats so that no idols activated six and he's not dealing with another mechanism which somehow could burn him when he's not a mechanism player and we are in the final stretch of US Survivor. Yeah, that's what I wanted to go to in the conversation as well. Like we spoke about Lindsay and Drea, but what about Omar? That is the question. Like what would he want to see happen with Mm. this advantage? I struggle with it. Via Lindsay. Yeah, I struggle with it a lot. Like, wh- what I'd want to do is I'd I'd like, like to disarm um, these things that that's that's floating yeah. around my opposition. So, in in one sense, uh, what I also don't want is another idol. Let's say they yeah. they they play the they play the vote or oh, the steal a vote. Does that mean because that idol is a non-issue, do they drop another one on the island? Does that get picked up by Jonathan. I, I I don't know how that will work. But I'll try and I'll try and, and 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 handle these advantages via my relationship with Lindsay if I was Omar. Mm. Um, hey, go to Drea and and how about we steal how about how about you guys I don't know, work out something with Lindsay. Like tell mm. Drea you guys are gonna vote me off. Steal my vote if you want to, but let's hit Marianne or yeah. I'll, I'll definitely try and get my power. I'll try and get power over the advantages through my relationship with Lindsay to make sure mm-hmm. I know exactly what those advantages is. And if I can disarm them, especially before it gets even more to the pointy end, if we can get them out, almost like when it's a non-issue, we've got the majority, let's steal someone's vote. It really doesn't matter if they take my vote. We still have the um, the the majority. Get it out. Uh, flush mm. it down the toilet. Let it go so that we can see clearly uh, how it's going to end up towards the end of the game without some of these things coming in and tripping us up when we least expect it. Yeah, I mean, I love the idea of them stealing his vote because we've seen how much power he's had before without a vote, like even offering his vote like as a sacrifice there. Um, and look, that's 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 a dicey plan. But if anyone can pull it off, it probably is, Omar. I feel that it might even work for Lindsay because if Lindsay's trying to work with Drea, I still think you should want the idol more and, and should be going for the idol and not using the amulet 
and just taking out Drea. But like there might be some merit to let's work with it because then Drea, if she's trying to work with me, is less trying to come for me. And even though I have the numbers, like she has superpowers all the time and she's like a really dominant player. So I don't want her to come for me. So let's try to use the amulet together and take out Drea. That would be best case scenario for Oma. Like if he can take Drea out next time because she's such a huge threat, but then also take out yeah. the amulet in some way, like get it played, that would be ideal. I don't think Lindsay should do that. And I think she's probably too savvy to give up the amulet one round before she activates it as an idol. But if Oma can somehow make that work, and if he were to sacrifice his own vote for it, it would be such peak Oma play that it actually is making me smile just thinking about it. So I think, yeah, that's best case scenario because you want Drea out. She's such a threat, but you want... Um, you want the amulet out and he can't at this point have both. So I guess the next best thing after having them play it and sacrifice it in some way would be that Lindsay at least gets it, that it's not Drea who somehow takes out Lindsay and then she's armed at the final six. If Lindsay can get it, then Mm. he's probably okay. It's still working with an ally. Like they're still really connected. You know, it probably won't come back against him. I just always worry for Oma when there's like all these stupid powers flying around and that's just not his game. It's an incredible strategic game, but I just don't want him to get advantage getting down. Like I don't, I think I'm still, like, you know, obviously really, you know, traumatized from the Suri thing. And, like, Oma's such a great strategic player who, like, doesn't necessarily win challenges or, like, pick up trinkets kind of like Suri. So I'm just a little bit scared about the way that the end game of US Survivor tends to go for these, like, hyper-strategic players who don't rely on the things, you know? I'm with you, and I I think it's something George mentioned last time as well. He says, if if you split the tribe up somewhere in the middle of a day, and you take the game away from your strategic players because you just now draw you drew rocks and now suddenly the whole game has changed. Now we don't see great players uh, play; we see producers playing the game with our players. I know I'm, I may be mm. uh, uh, I may be pushing it too hard, but but just hear me out. What you don't want here is a player like Omar being um, advantage crude. Yeah. Um, now Maybe it's going to happen in the modern yeah. game. So yeah. what he needs to do is he needs to he needs to do what he can do to see if he can get as many as possible advantages down the river. Get it out, mm-hmm. get it out of here, so that I can play with my skills, which is which, which is great skill set, both him and Lindsay, and play ourselves into the sole survivor position here. That would be my my goal if I was him. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm a little scared about all the advantages that are blocking up Oma's end game. But yeah, for Lindsay, a lot of cool stuff here. I just got you're tracking the pathway. The fact that she brings the Jonathan plan to High, the fact that it ends up with Jonathan coming back to Lindsay and being like, "Can you believe what High is doing?" And she has actual just amazing for me. Um, then she votes out High. So even though she hasn't taken out Jonathan that buries the body in a way for her too, because no one will know that she planted that seed. Oh, hi, was trying to take out Jonathan and Jonathan has no idea that that was her. So that's really cool for her. And I also thought that she was pretty clearly, it didn't work, but I thought she was pretty clearly trying to flush Jonathan's shot in the dark at that tribal council, where she talks about an even playing field in a way that felt so obvious that Hyde's kind of trying to cover for who it is because he feels like he's tipping Jonathan off too much. Didn't work, but I thought it was a cool little moment that she was probably trying to get Jonathan to maybe panic in this big vote and play shot in the dark. So a lot of cool stuff from Lindsay. Uh, let you know th- the other side of the coin. Let's talk about Mike and High, who didn't have as great an episode. Obviously, didn't go so well for the former Vartids. Where I guess to start with High, you know, last week George and I were not keen on the Ross Roy move for High. Didn't love the positioning. Didn't love how it made him rely on Omar. And he has said in exits that 
He had a final three with Omer and Drea, which is just kind of more incredible for Omer that he's part of that. But I guess we see more why he's happy to rely on Omer, but we saw the bigger picture of Omer's priorities and like the general dynamics that he wasn't a big part of that. So that's why we didn't like the move, but it makes more sense of why he was kind of happy to go with that group and thought that those were his numbers. But yeah, Romeo says, I'm only loyal to Omer and, and High's gone out of his way to keep Romeo. I underestimated how upset Mike would be. Obviously, that was like a massive part of this episode. Um, I just feel for High, he had like a really high threat level. Everyone was looking at him. He's like so clear, strategic, had a big pre-merge, like the Rocks thing. Huge, like the biggest moment of the pre-merge and and one of the biggest moments still of the season and super visible. And that visibility and threat level did, did not match with the positioning to shield him from that. So what did you think about High through these last few episodes and his game in general? High was a threat, and if High was not in my alliance, I would I would feel uncomfortable with him running around the island. So I would have done exactly what uh, Lindsay and Omar organized this week. He's a good player. He, he's a social player. He's a he's someone that might not look too threatening physically, but put him on the right challenge, and he's he's going to win. He's going to go all the way. He's light. He's got balance. Uh, he seems to be strategically not too bad. He made one or two blunders where he thought he's in mm. control. He's got things going his way and then it's not. But at least there's a strategic starter pack. You know, if 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 he makes one or two mistakes and he got through it, he'd be better because he mm. can think and he can navigate his way. He's a good player that has just left the game. I only see two winners left, but High was definitely a third. I feel like a lot of people can still win. Who are the two that you're seeing, Omer and Lindsay? Yeah. Mm. But are they they might not make it to the end. Like that's the thing is like, well, what if three of the other people are yes. at the end? Like, I mean, I definitely I, I think Drea should be in that. I think for me, Omer, Drea, Lindsay would oh, be something me. of an order. Sorry. Excuse yeah. me. Excuse me. Sorry, sorry. Drea could be. Uh, I, I'd include Drea as. Yeah. Omar and Lindsay has a strong one, two, and Drea number three. Yeah, and then Marianne's game we'll talk about. It's been from the bottom, but she has another idol. Like, depends what she can do with that. Mike, I would definitely would have put quite high in that until this episode. It was, you know, not a good episode for Mike, which we'll talk about. But I still think against the right people kind of has that social game that, that could speak to that, but he'd probably be at the bottom of that five for me. And then Jonathan and then Romeo, just from a game slash edit perspective all around. Um, but I definitely think, yeah, Omar, Drea, who have been leading the Chizzy in their own ways, and then Lindsay now, I think I can see that trajectory as we talked about, like kind of that that upwards trajectory. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, we'll talk about it with Mike. For High, you know, I firstly, for the eulogy, like super fun character, main main character, uh, well, one of the main characters, just like a power player through a lot of the season and really, uh, you know, in that second half of Vati. But I did feel like once he started making the concessions, like from the merge, I, I understood the move from him, but I feel like Omar outplayed him. Again, he talked about that timing as an example. He was kind of scared, and, and Omar is a mutant, so Omar has that leg up. But he was scared for his own life in that way. He couldn't push the votes onto someone like Ariane, who has an idol. Like, he was stuck. I get it. But he has to make the concession for Lydia. Um, maybe, you know, if it could have been Lindsay. Like, I feel like the game kind of left his terms in that vote, and then it's just been maybe, like, chipping away ever since to the Roxroy vote, which I thought was yeah. just such a departure for him and really, really did just hurt his position to the point where every single person wants him out in this episode. So I think that it caught up with him at a point. 
Um, but, you know, that's like a lot of the fun of his character, I felt. Like he had like massive highs, major wins, and then the lows. He had like a personal story that was really worth investing, but he could also be like emotional and villainous and dramatic. And I think that's really fun. It's like just basically catching the ride that is like the highs and lows and the fun of like maybe something of like an anti-hero character or like a fun villain at times who you're also like invested in. So I thought he brought a lot to the season. And in Mike believing that high golden puppet, which Mike hated, Mike did not want to be golden puppet, as we can tell. I'm like, how did Mike think this? Because like Mike really hasn't been high as puppet. If anything, like, We've been talking about how maybe Mike went with high last week because he like needed a win high in their partnership. Cause the week before they go, they take out Chanel because Mike wants it. Like he's obviously been a compromising figure high. And we're talking about the concessions made with Lydia. So he hasn't been just like dictating to everyone. Like he's been a player who compromises. And even in this episode, like Mike is going along with it. It's false, but like they're finally as allies on the same page for the first time since the pre-merge. And he's not, like, dictating to him, but, like, Mike has it in his head. Like, I just don't understand how Mike thought that he would say that. Because Mike, I don't feel, has been highest puppet at all. And if anything, like, has gotten his way as much or more in their strategic partnership. Yeah. I think, um, Shannon, I think <laughs> I think it's a testament to how much Mike uh, trusts Omar or how much trust. Omar conveys uh, when he speaks and when he tells these stories that he brings to the table. Now, you must remember that Mike, they, there was even a scene earlier in the, in the, um, in the season where, where Omar was explaining to Mike how they pray, right? So, I mean, Omar shared very mm-hmm. deeply with Mike. And so mm-hmm. I think what happened here is, Mike really believes what Omar tells him. Mm. And that is a testament to the social status of Omar's game. That's Mm. all I have to say. That's why Mike believes it. But I also think Mike wants to believe it because he's really mad. And like, I think that it's a credit to Omar that he's picking Mm. up on that, that like Mike is primed here for like the mental warfare of the lie. But He's angry about it. And they see the Roxroy vote so differently. Mike says that High lied to him about the Roxroy. I don't, I don't see how or where. High thinks like, wow, Mike was such a great ally that he like did what I wanted. I got his blessing are his words. When Mike feels like coerced into it and he really didn't like it. Like they just saw this vote so differently. I think Omar pounces on that because Mike is so wanting to be mad. Like, you know, when you're mad at someone and you're just like wanting them to screw up so you can be like even more angry. Like you want to be like vindicated in your feelings and emotions. I feel like that can happen. and. I feel like that's where Mike was at. He's like, he did what now? Like, I was already mad, but now I'm just right. See, I was right about high. Like, I knew I had a reason to be feeling this way. And I feel like it's really, yeah, based on that. Because even even high says, like, oh, I got to be the driver for this one vote. He says, like, one vote, like, he has not been the puppeteer. Obviously, that has been, at this point, Omar, who was puppeteering Mike 100 times more than high ever did. And that's obviously the, the true irony of it. But I just feel like Mike, in his emotion as a player, as a player who can be emotional, was just ready to hear it, and it just got in his yeah. head, and he couldn't even see difference. And there's also a different, like, probably a point in, you say there's trust in Omar, just the kind of player that Omar purports himself to be. Again, he's so different in confessional to the way that he is to you in person. You would never, ever think that this, like, lovely man teaching you how he prays, sharing with you, confiding in you, could just lie to your face, because not a lot of players do that. Like, just, like, truly yeah. lie. You just wouldn't even expect that most players or that someone like Omar especially would do that. So I don't even think that he would consider it. 
just because of the person that Omar is and that's the perception he's built up so there's a lot of good stuff from Omar but I feel like Mike was like absolutely just like ready to be like taken down in that way with the lie you're right and, and once again Omar, Omar knows that he knows Mike he knows how Mike's in yeah. a fire fight you know we need a battle to fight you need a person to fight you need a cause you know and 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 Omar plays it well but that's why I also said in the beginning he must watch out. He must watch out that he, that he, for it worked for now, but just be cautious because mm. once you're going to start dancing around Lindsay and Drea and you, and you, you must make very sure mm-hmm. that mm. you speak, you use your words and your facts well and that they are covered because Lindsay and Drea, they're not going to pick up so easily what you tell them. Mm. But Omar would know not to do that with Lindsay and Drea because because the whole lie and the basis of it is built off his social reads and connections and knowledge of the players. And that's what makes a lie successful. Like he says it's a good lie and that's what makes it successful, that it's not a bad lie. But I think more of the beauty of the lie is in the social reads and the social knowledge to know to do that. And he would just know Lindsay and Drea as like very savvy players well enough to like mind himself a little bit. Like it's definitely not a coincidence that Mike was his target. I feel like that's like, very intentional and very much like he singled Mike out as like he's emotional and yeah he's going to take it in this in this personal way and maybe not second guess it as much as someone like Drea might because she's very calculated well that is the question and 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 I'm glad you said it that way he would know not to because if if we are in Omar's camp right now that is what we are saying Omar knows when to sell a lie and we're not. He knows when to put his foot on the gas, and we're not. Let's see. I hope he pushes through to the end. Mm, so interesting. I, I really am interested, especially in like the amulet war, and if Do or Die takes away our vote, so that we don't get like like final seven interesting anyway. But like with this like ending amulet war, I'll be very very angry about that. So let's not even think about Do or Die. <laughs> um, one other point that I had, you know, before we kind of move on to some of the other dynamics, but I thought what was really interesting from this week was a lot of the language used, and we see kind of. Three sides of the same coin. We see Omar, Hai, and Jonathan who are using this very personal language around my plan. I have the numbers. Even Jonathan is like, you know, if I can get him out, like, Jonathan, you are the secondary option and you are the last to know. But even he is like, I should be the target. And it's like really drove home for me how much everyone is a hero of their own narrative. Like, Hai and Jonathan and probably more players think they're in the Omar spot that the edit will, will give Omar and I think probably the game has transparently given Omar of yeah. being the mastermind um even like you know hi also lies to someone's face with the idol lie but like that's not a lie that even Jonathan even Jonathan <laughs> believes so it kind of shows the way that you can talk about it. it's not like I mean Omar's language is amazing to others but in confessional it's still like here's my plan here's what I'm doing like it's very much like here's what I'm doing as the protagonist of the season and the strategic mastermind I mean you see it from so many of them but it's like almost comical when it's coming from Jonathan and at this point high because high has, has fallen to the point where everyone wants him out. But for Omar, he's like completely backed up in like the actual game. For me, it just showed really just how much everyone is the hero of their own story. And everyone thinks they're in that spot until they are blindsided and walking down the path. Yeah, no, I, I like it. That's what makes great TV. If, if there's a, if there's a whole lot of, 
of players on the screen really believing that they're rowing the boat. That's what we want to see. Isn't that true? We see that confidence. Mm-hmm. We see, uh, I want to say, we see, we see that a uh, misplaced confidence, right? That's what we want to see that makes them glorious characters. So, yeah, I don't want to go back to Rock Troy too much because that's in the past, but I just want to say that I understand a little bit the whole thing of getting a Roxroy out. If I just compare Roxroy and a Jonathan a little bit, even Jonathan was a little bit strong in his conversations the last while. But sometimes when you play like with a player like Roxroy, I'd actually um, I, I would compare him with Martinez. They sometimes have a, a, a idea in their mind, and they you cannot even speak with him. Not only do they generally disagree with you at the end of the conversation, they will not let you finish because guys like Rockshore, they truly believe in this one thing they have in their mind right now. And it's extremely frustrating to play with a player like that. So sometimes you just need to delete them off the table and carry on. I even see Jonathan as a little bit more flexible than Rockshore. I just thought I'd throw that in there. Yeah. I mean, I think that speaks to the power of needing – a lot of social connections because if you're relying on an ally that ends up being troublesome then you're boxed in like hi like hi needed roxroy in terms of numbers and definitely like kind of that that solid majority and he gave it up because he couldn't work with roxroy Lindsay can't work with jonathan um or she doesn't want to work with jonathan and and had she made that move she would have been okay like they have enough options we like the high move better but there's merit to the jonathan move and they would have been fine she and omer and some of these other majority members have the power to cut allies that are problematic or that just they don't work with as well and yeah. recover from it and bringing new allies yeah. and have that agency in that space in a way that like Hyde didn't have. So while we can criticize taking out Roxroy as something that, that boxed him into a corner, which it absolutely did, you might want to take it back a few steps further, which is like, why are you relying on Roxroy? Like, is that even a good position to have been you know, put in through the last few votes for a start? Um, why aren't you hiring other people who you work with better? Like someone like, Oh why aren't you hiring that priority list? Are you not managing your threat level well enough? Like, are you like cutting the wrong people and, and making the wrong relationship? So I think it can probably go back even further when you don't have the freedom to cut allies that you want to cut. Mm, I agree. It's great. We have got the power to cut the, the other contestants as you please. And it's very yeah. helpful. Yeah. Just to get to like a couple of people we haven't spoken about as much. Romeo, ironically, did not vote for High after everything they've been through. Romeo and High's, you know, few episode relationship will always be very fascinating. You know, they bonded and then they were against each other and then he did the spite vote. And then, you know, High was so mad, but then they worked together and now he doesn't even vote High out. But he's definitely fine with the plan. Do you think that this was a split vote or do you think that Romeo just didn't know what the plan was? I don't know. In this, in this year fluid type of um, alliance process that we are seeing here, whether they would like to to inform, you know, someone like a Romeo that's not in the chopping block, hey, so this is what's happening, vote here, or whether it's based to almost like, no, he's not in my alliance. I'm not sure. But if I have to guess, because we didn't see a lot of Romeo, right, I would say that Romeo, to keep options open, I would have informed Romeo, okay, Romeo, this is where the votes are going. How do you feel about this? Are you willing to go with us? So I guess yes, but but I'm not sure. Mm. I mean, I think it makes sense for it to be a split if it's coming from Omer, for example. Firstly, on a split of an idol, it means that, say, Hai has 
worked it out, found out somehow was going for a member of the majority, say Omar, he plays his idol, he votes for Omar, and then the Jonathan vote means that they can win on the revote one to one once all of High's votes are negated. From a shot in the dark perspective, even though you think it would be Jonathan, if High again catches wind of it, plays his shot in the dark, and all the votes go on High, you know, Romeo doesn't have a vote on Jonathan, then I do think Romeo is at risk of just being that like public consensus vote because he's been on the bottom, even though Jonathan's name has been out there. If you all have to like talk about it loudly, maybe like Romeo just does go in that very public setting once they're like, oh, we need now a new vote once there's literally zero votes on the board because I is protected and there's been no votes for anyone else. So I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, it makes sense as a split. Jonathan won't be mad because he'll just think Romeo was in with highest plan. So he can't be mad at the majority. Um, and I think even if he didn't get the right information, he's never going to blame Omar because Omar's like, well, I, you know, I'm just hearing things as well. So again, Omar's protected in that way. But I do think it's interesting. And I think one vote splits, I will always think, are protecting against shot in the dark in the modern game because it just makes a lot of sense and maybe aren't as much an accident in, in you know, modern times and, and they make a lot of sense from a split perspective. We haven't spoken about Marianne, who got her idol back this week. What are your thoughts on Marianne? Like, we haven't even yeah. discussed what I think is, like, probably one of the oh, main characters, no. if not the main character of the season. I love Marianne. And you know what? Um, like, I haven't posted recently on social media, but my daughter makes me think a lot of Marianne, full of energy. I've got an African not daughter, and she's all yeah. smiles in the you, yeah. Not the newborn one. Yeah. <laughs> the, the the wow, one. she's, she's uh, such no, a great kid, Amelia. Your older daughter, yeah. <laughs> Smiles, energy, funny, loving, emotional. You know, just living a life on the island like flat out reminds me of 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 the little Mary Ann in my house, Talita. Aww. So personally, I'm quite biased towards Mary Ann. Mm-hmm. I really love her, and I actually told. Um, Talita, my daughter, when we were watching Survivor, I'm like, come, come, Talita. Um, uh, in Afrikaans, I'd say, he saws yay. It means, this is you. Come, 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 check. It's Aww. you playing. And then she watches Marianne on the screen. Oh, so, my heart. Um, I really my just heart. love her. And, and she's not a bad player. She's not a bad player. She, in the beginning, she was maybe a little bit gullible all over the place. Maybe, maybe even socially too much for the tribe. But, she's almost shaping into a good in-game player. I'm enjoying her, Shannon. Yeah, no, I think so. I mean, I think her her position progresses every week. I really love the way she's played from the bottom and how she hasn't been targeted even when she should have been. And on she progresses through here with her allies in Oma and Lindsay getting strategic wins. Like, that's a good thing for her. Like, she's part of those relationships and Oma's really invested in, in those relationships, especially. She gets the idol, which just, you know, is the survivor gods getting it right. She made a stand last week. She confirms in this episode that she was frustrated. She knew she wouldn't be getting votes correctly. So that shows she wouldn't have played the idol, which would have been, I think, the right move. She did it because of the vocal stand, which was super necessary. And she gets it right back and even better. No one knows about it, which is so key when Drea has knowledge of power. So she doesn't even know how vital it is that getting, you know, swapping one public idol for a hidden idol is such a different advantage to have. So I'm really happy for her again as a Mary stand that she got that. Um, yeah, I love the way that, that her game is going. I think that it's been great. But yeah, the idea that like your daughter is watching her and loving her. I'm the same. I'm like your small child. I'm like, I love you, Marianne. And that's, that's what I'm doing too. <laughs> yeah. You have to well, love Marianne. You have to. Yeah, she could play. People don't and they're wrong. That's so wrong. I don't understand it myself. But 
I really love her and I love the way that she's progressing through the game. So, you know, we might talk about her in this next session. Let's talk about the Chizzy, Take It Away, Jacob Sega Weinstein and MC Color. One, two, three. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, Verna, it's long been said. I think on the last podcast, I called you a cheesy winner, and then Rob's fact checker was like, You didn't do it cheesy in that season. Was that two podcasts ago? I don't remember, but like, such a weird Mandela effect that I assume you're a cheesy winner, even though we didn't do the cheesy. But I feel like you are, you know, you're an honorary winner. So your points are, you know, so vital. And we have to, you know, get to Thanks so much. those points. Yeah. I mean, it's like, basically, should we go back in and score it? I think it's done. Um, you know, you can put Survivor South Africa season six. But do you want to give your points first for this week? Love it. So what I'm going to do, um, it's hard to score Romeo Drea. I didn't see a whole lot of them. I'm going to give Marianne my third place this week. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, find an idol socially mm-hmm. being in the game knowing what's going on she's going to take my number three then it's going to be very tough and, uh, it's a player that played really well won two immunities and another one that navigated himself socially so I'm going to make big call year and I'm going to give Lindsay the second place and mm-hmm. this might be controversial because it was absolutely her episode but the reason I give Omar number one is in an episode where Lindsay dominated physically, Omar still shined under her wings, helped to organize the whole the whole episode uh, from not even having a necklace. So that's why, and that's a hard one for me. I'll go, Omar, you are number one, Lindsay number two, and Marianne number three. Yeah, I mean, I could pretty much copy and paste it. I'll give three points to Omar. We've talk, spoken about it. He's exceptional. Language, approach, love the lie, love the fun he's having with it. Fact the decision. He's just the mastermind. And I've now given him threes every week for four weeks, four weeks in a row. Rob's fact checker is going to have to let me know if that's some sort of record because that is well-deserved, but it's kind of crazy. And it does put Omar up to the top of the leaderboard here. I will give two points to Lindsay, which again, I feel sad about it because these points don't make up for how strongly she should be reflected in the charts. Like, I do feel that she should have more points and I should be giving her three points here to reflect that. But I think she was perfect. Like, I, I, I don't, I'm not taking anything away from her game. Like, again, I back the decision. Um, I think she had an amazing episode. She did win both challenges. She, she, every single choice made, all the subtle choices, the language used as well, um, the big choices, I back it all. I just can't go past how well I feel Omar is doing as a puppet master, like to the point where I'm like, in several seasons, I feel like this is some of the best gameplay we're seeing. 
So Oma gets a three, but like Lindsay played a three point episode as well, I think. And I'm just really interested in what the next phase is for her, because I think this is a crucial juncture in her game. Like if this was a coming out episode, we've gotten to not just the pointy end of the game, but like the amulet thing. I just have so many questions with it. I hope we get a vote and do or die does not screw it up. But you know, like Andrea steal her amulet it, it with knowledge of power and then unite both amulets that she has as an idol that she have to take Lindsay out is Lindsay her priority or should she be stealing an idol from mike yeah. and then taking mike out so that's Drea's priority i feel like there's so many things happening with really kind of attacking advantages and what you know knowledge of power is definitely an attacking advantage and what the amulet has become now that it's just a straight shot at an idol like there's a lot of firepower here happening between mike Drea, and Lindsay. and Lindsay's a very social player is now part of it. So where does her game go with this? Does she lose to that? Um, you know, again, someone like Drea, who's more adept at the advantage game, who has so many superpowers, does she win that way? Does she elevate her game? You know, even though I think the social game is amazing, but does she take it to a different place with the social game to then win a trinket game as well and take out Drea, who's been like, again, like literally like the trinket superhero um, and win in that facet as well, get that jury resume point and like really, really, stand out as a huge threat. So I think there are game-winning moves and possibly game-losing moves to be made in the next couple of votes, but I think she set herself up so so well. Couldn't be happier with her social relationships, her positioning, her read. It's strong, it's intentional, and I think that there is a chance here to really, really go well with it over the next couple of episodes. Again, and in a very dicey situation, a ton of firepower, it's a scary spot, but I think she set up well for it. I'm excited to see where it goes for her. And then, yeah, I will also give a point to Marianne, whose position progresses again, and the idol's rightfully back in her hands. And I think that you said that well. So the charts are, now Oma is at 26, so really jumped to a lead. Drea's on 19, High left on 11, Mike 10, Romeo's on 9, Marianne's now on 9, Lindsay's now on 8, Jonathan's on 6, Tori left on 3, Daniel Swathi and Jenny left on two and Lydia left on one. So those are the charts. Do you think Oma's got this, Berna, or can you see someone else maybe take you? Because Drea is pretty much, you know, in the pound position maybe to take it. But who's who's your money on and who's going to take out the chizzy? Omar's going to take it. <laughs> Omar's going to yes, take it. If I it. keep giving him points, then he probably will. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Are you going to yeah. give him points if he also looks good on the jury or is it only for in the game? <laughs> Just want to what I'm sure. saying is like it, it's looking biased because, as George said, he's like, but your winner picks often do well in the chizzy, but you give the points. It feels a little, you know, like maybe this is a little bit doctored. Yeah. But also, yeah. like, how could I not give him all the chizzy points? Like, it's been a ridiculous merge. So, I don't know. We'll see how it goes. Werner, who do you think is going to win? Like, if you had one winner pick, who are you putting your money on? Lindsay. Lindsay. I love it. Uh, yeah, and this would be then, the, I feel like, the perfect episode for you to have recapped if that happens, and you, you're you putting your money on Lindsay, and this was, yeah, like, just like a great episode for her and could really start something incredible, so we'll see how it goes. I'm putting my money on Lindsay because it's hard for me to think that Omar is not going to get caught out in how good he is. Mm, yeah. And it typically happens. And so mm-hmm. I, I think he's going to become visible just to, uh, just at a crucial point, and if he's caught without without protection, he might be gone, which makes Lindsay the one that sneaks in and she beats anyone out there. Might be a tough one against Drea, but I mean, I see Lindsay taking out the competition except for Omar. Yeah, I think that the end game for me continues to be that duality between Omar and Drea. It was a quiet episode for Drea, but they're different game styles in really dominant ways in different ways. So that's, that's the chizzy battle. 
Um, and I think that that's like the dominant game battle, but then it's always possible for the game that, you know, we often see it like two battering rams come against each other in this way, these two like unstoppable forces, which from an amulet perspective could be Lindsay and Drea. From a game perspective, I think it'd be Omer and Drea. And then maybe someone else slips through for that. Like we often see like, you know, Josh goes and Jeremy goes, or like Sean goes and then David goes. Like we see these people who, and not that that's been the rivalry between Omer or Drea, but from a game perspective and like a skill perspective and a threat perspective, it probably should be. So I wonder if these big players come for each other at a point. It also could happen that other people slip through, not in the chizzy probably, but in the game. So that's definitely something to look out for in the next few episodes. Yeah. Looking forward to it, Shannon. Looking yeah. forward to following you. Who's coming up next week on the podcast? It's like a secret. <laughs> oh, no, I love you just asking you. That's great. Um, no, next week I have Nina Twine from Australian Survivor. It's great. It's like I'm on Survivor Global to talk to our friends from the international world. She's American, but she was an wow. Australian Survivor, so I'm the one who gets to recap with her. It worked out so well for me. Oh, enjoy it. And shout out, Shan, thanks for, thanks for pushing out the content. Thank you, Verna. No, but thank you for having a newborn and still coming on to chat Survivor and keeping up with Survivor, which is crazy and giving so much great analysis from your amazing perspective. I won't ask people where to follow you because are we still on with like the social media, you know, like getting away from oh, that? They can bit? follow that. <laughs> they, they're welcome to follow on Instagram. They're just going to see, not going to see a whole lot for now. We'll see what the future holds. But um, every now and then, I'll, I'll put something on there what the family is up to or things that might be important to me. I'm just not pushing out a lot of interesting content, uh, survivor-wise, at the moment. But they can find me on Instagram. Okay, well, amazing. Well, follow me at Shannon Gates. To the International Survivor Hapup Speed so you don't miss anything. Got Nina next week. Um, it looks like the Australian Survivor Deep Dives are pretty much done. I hope everyone enjoyed those. We had Nina on for that as well. Khan, Chrissy, Sam, and Mark. So thank you for everyone who's been, you know, following along with all the content. It means a lot to me. Thank you so much, Verna, for taking time out of your busy schedule to have this chat. Always love chatting to you and so great to catch up. Thank you to Scott St. Pierre behind the scenes, and I will see you next week. Bye. Australian survivor. 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 With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty. And luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChapaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChapaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.